you love Israel and you're coming to the Holy Land, you need Israel's best tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour. The land of the Bible, the land of the Tanakh, comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit IsraelByMayor.com. That's IsraelByMayor, M-E-I-R, or email him directly at IsraelByMayor at gmail.com. Welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. Uh, You're listening to the Noahide Nations show, and we're very glad to have you here. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson. Let me just go ahead and bring in uh, my my friend and and cohort here on this radio show, and that would be Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how you doing? I'm fine, Ray. How are you today? I'm doing very well things uh okay up in uh, your neck of the woods uh yeah yeah um we're having uh cold weather uh starting off our winter here and um not really happy about that because i drive for a living so uh anyway it's always uh part of the uh seasonal blues that i have to face uh driving in typically bad weather because i go we're out on the coastline, and as a result here in Nova Scotia, we uh, we get a cold system pushing down on one end. We got warm air coming off the water on the other end. So we can get a mix of mild and cold throughout the winter and uh, usually lots of precipitation in the form of snow or rain. So, Well, I know that there's a show on TV that I happen to watch, I don't know, once or twice. I'm, I'm obviously not a fan, but it's uh, something to do with ice truckers. Yes. Well they, well, they actually drive these semis on ice, you know. I mean, what are you, crazy? Uh, you're, you're not one of those guys, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> Although I, I do have to go across uh, the uh, causeway going into uh, Cape Breton uh, on the north end of the uh, province. And uh, in the wintertime, uh, or even occasionally through the summer when the uh, if we get some uh, stormy weather, uh, we can actually get the waves, uh, you know, bouncing up over across the road and hitting the vehicles. And uh, so it's always interesting in the wintertime when we get uh, lots of wind and uh, you get ice out on the water, snow accumulates on the top of it. So you can actually get quite a tunnel of uh, snow blowing across there. You can't see uh, can't see the front of your uh, of your vehicle. That's sometimes fun, but get that a couple of times a year, typically. Well, I I would imagine some people would consider what the ice truckers do uh, heroic. I call it crazy. (laughs) Anyone anyone who's uh, prepared to drive a vehicle the size of a small building across a a lake of ice, uh, I don't know. (laughs) You're not going to catch me doing that. No, you don't get much reaction time if uh, if she's going to start breaking through. Uh, I've seen uh, I have seen that uh, show a couple of times. Uh, I know that my dad has watched it and. He used to drive uh, some uh, back when he was younger, and when he semi-retired, he uh, he decided to buy a truck, and he drove for a few years, and then decided that maybe retirement means working less. <laughs> so, so he sold his truck, but uh, anyway, he's he keeps himself busy here. Well, good. Well, the show today isn't uh, actually on global warming, so uh, you know, let's go ahead and, and move on from this uh, interesting uh, discussion. It could uh, be, and, and well, I suppose it could be. But <laughs> we're you know, talking about maybe, theft. You well, know, yeah, 
<laughs> they probably have to come and take me away in a, a rubber truck or something. But anyway, you're right. We're talking about theft today. This is our part three, if you will, our, our third installment on theft. And uh, actually, we, we could have many more in covering uh, this topic because it's just so deep. And there's so many things that occur that are considered theft that we don't really think about. Possibly we're going to hit on a number of those uh, today. Uh, Some people are going to be aware of them. Some people aren't. But just to convey to folks in, in everyday living right now in this day and age just what theft is. And I thought one of the ways we could kind of start this is by beginning to answer the question of how does kidnapping fit into all of this? How does kidnapping fit into theft? And uh, that's a, a mighty big question because the answer is mighty big too. And <laughs> and that is kidnapping. You know, quite frankly, there are so many forms of, of theft going on, and not just forms of theft, but actually individuals being stolen from, which is really another critical thing that we just don't think about when we read about a kidnapping having gone on in the, in the newspaper. Or we hear about it on the news. We don't truly realize how many people it's affected. For example, if we hear all the time about uh, a wife is missing, and oftentimes it's because they have been kidnapped, and we see the news covering very much so the the act of the kidnapping and that the person is missing, and uh, then they bring on the family members. And you can sit and literally begin to count how many people are being affected by this individual having been kidnapped. Mm. Or, or certainly cases of when there's been domestic disputes and children go missing because a parent has decided to abduct one of the kids or uh, or worse yet, that there is a predatory uh, adult out there who uh, is targeting children and, and the impact that that has both to that individual, to the child, and right. uh, and certainly to the family is, is pretty uh, is is pretty real and and, uh, and certainly tragic. Well, and kidnapping is, in my estimation, is just my humble opinion, is, I mean, it's a tragedy that occurs every day because of the impact that it has on so many people, uh, starting with the person who has been kidnapped. You've stolen their time, and if you wind up injuring this person or, you know, God forbid, killing this person, uh, you've stolen their life uh, or have injured them in a, in a way that may potentially you know, maim them so badly that they, they can't work if they do get released. And, you know, there's so many uh, avenues by which the individual, having been kidnapped, has been affected. And then it goes on to, like you were saying, the kids. Let's say, for example, it's a mother who was kidnapped. And the kids in the family uh, who have been raised by their mother begin to suffer the loss of their mother. And so, in essence, we have to uh, assume, not even assume, we have to agree that that would be considered kidnapping because you've stolen the mother to these children. Uh, You've stolen potentially their mother's life. They may never see their mother ever again. Uh, So there's many things just with the children that Hmm. they have been stolen from that has to be considered theft through the act of this kidnapping. Yeah. Now, it it may seem odd to some people listening to us to think as like kidnapping. I mean, we hear about it when it gets on the news, but we really don't. It's not like we personally know people that have been kidnapped. I mean, most people don't know somebody who's actually been kidnapped, do they? 
Uh, actually, you're right. So, so it's so hard to identify because it's not happening to them directly, but rather yeah. they're hearing about it indirectly. Right. But but when we understand, I guess, as we learn kind of what is the wrongness of kidnapping in terms of the the what we are what the individuals being deprived of, what is being robbed from them, we can understand that perhaps the idea of kidnapping extends to many things that we do in every day with one another too. In terms of, uh, I, I'm thinking of um, my cousin's daughter, and I've never been able to figure out first, second, third cousins once removed or twice removed. I never, never could get that, but was uh, actually held up uh, at the place that uh, she worked. And the consequence of that was that in many ways, her, her sense of security as an individual was now, you know, she just could not function uh, for quite some time normally in the same way that somebody who is, has been kidnapped. You often hear of kind of the psychological aftermath of what takes place. Right. And so you have people that are are on on an ongoing, uh, you know, I say not into each individual in an ongoing basis, but we know that uh, when various, like when robberies are taking place, that it's not just that somebody has robbed money from somebody, but often people are traumatized and, and in effect are kidnapped. They're part of their life. Part of their freedom has been uh, taken from them uh, as a result of that. Absolutely. Just with the, uh, the single act of kidnapping, so many, so many lives uh, are affected and so many lives are stolen from, you know, we've already mentioned the kids, you know, what about the parents? What if it's a parent who happens to be a grandmother or grandfather? You know, the kid, the grandkids are affected. Uh, mm. People in their neighborhood, if it's somebody who is well-liked in the neighborhood and does a lot for the, the neighbors, I mean, the, the neighbors are affected. So, you know, we begin to see how an individual who has, with a single act of kidnapping, has affected and literally stolen from so many people uh, with a single act. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's something that we need to realize, and not from the standpoint of you out there, you know, contemplating kidnapping. Please don't. But rather, when we're sitting there, you know, well, please don't. Yeah, yeah. But when we're when we're sitting there uh, watching this on the news, we can you know certainly have a little bit more sympathy for these individuals, and even better still, if you happen to live in the area, and they're putting together teams of people to go out and search woods or what have you be a part of that be uh, uh willing to put yourself out there and do something for somebody else in fact we've always known prescott and i talk about this a lot that in order to fulfill a a mitzvot which is generally a do not kind of commandment do not commit theft uh you want to do something that's positive mm. and in this case it's you know you, you could give charity well charity can also be volunteer work and if you're volunteering to help search for somebody in your area that's a, a monumental thing and when those opportunities as sad as they are uh, are provided by hashem you should really take advantage of them yeah yeah and let, let's talk about something else here that we may or may not be keenly aware of and it's something that actually occurs every single day and it's difficult to sit there when you're asked the question do you know that you're being stolen from every day 
it's hard to state yes because you just don't visualize or in my day-to-day life i don't feel like i've been stolen from and yet indirectly once again you have been and an example of this would be a company who is committing fraud against your government Mm. i don't care if it's in the united states i don't care if it's in canada i don't care if it's in russia i don't care where it is there is fraud being committed against the government now when a fraud is committed against the government in essence that fraud is being committed against the taxpayers to that government and the companies are actually stealing taxpayers money and this is something that goes on uh, routinely in fact you know here in the states we've got this thing that they're talking about and probably will get is universal health care and you know it's it's, it's health <laughs> which isn't universal no it, it truly <laughs> questionably, isn't and questionably it's not much for health care so <laughs> that's that's right so uh and that's a whole nother topic on theft but anyway uh one thing that was interesting in the the discussions that you know you see on the news and you know with the talking heads we see that healthcare fraud in the united states alone they're calculating out to be about 60 billion dollars a year wow. and first of all you look at 60 billion dollars a year and you wonder what in the world is a government doing <laughs> which you know i tend to ask on a daily basis anyway but we also but look at but that's how not many- mu- but that's not much compared to the trillion dollars that are being spent. Oh yeah, and we're going to get into that. <laughs> I mean, don't even don't get me started yet because that's a whole other deal. But with these companies, there's many of them out there that are literally stealing from the taxpayers yeah. uh, in healthcare. And this is doctors, this is uh, medical equipment manufacturers. It, you know, it runs the gamut as far as the types of individuals and also the type of fraud that's actually being committed against us is is yeah. tax paying citizens. And you know, we look at like this healthcare; they're going to want to raise my taxes and in reality if they just cut out the fraud they could pay 60 billion dollars a year with this and maybe you know save something uh, in my wallet uh, yeah. rather than just taking it to pay for you know fraud and abuse same with defense yeah. contractors you know a lot of them uh, do the same thing they falsify records and all kinds of things and that's a big thing in in every country it is fraud and people need to realize this and you need to step up People yep. need to step up. Well, now here, here's something that because um, uh, I've I've been following what's been going on south of the border here uh, from my perch in uh, Canada, and uh, I believe it was back in the uh, '60s uh, we implemented a a universal type healthcare system uh, up here, and uh, I remember a few years back hearing someone talk about you know, of course up here every election. There's always this issue about health care and how, uh, uh, how, you know, we need more money for health care. There's never enough money for health care. <laughs> right. And, and I'm just going to tell you right now, you get universal health care, there will never be, it'll be an election issue every time about how can we pour money, more money into health care. Because here in Canada, they actually knew that the uh, estimates that they were putting together for uh, trying to get uh, our our parliament to uh, pass the legislation to get this in place. Uh, the people that were putting the, to this together knew that they were lowballing those numbers, but they knew they had to because parliament would never have passed healthcare in Canada into existence 
if they had known how much it was going to cost. They knew it was going to cost more, and they intentionally introduced lower numbers. And uh, I wish I could pull the source on that, and I may have to look that up. I didn't know we were going to go into this particular one when we were talking today. But um, <laughs> but uh, the fact is, is that no matter no matter what country it is, and healthcare, they never get an accurate estimate in terms of what it's going to cost. So whatever they're telling you it's going to cost, it's going to cost more. Always has, always will. Well, and you know that's part of the discussion that we're having because you look at operations like the the post office and uh, Amtrak and uh, Medicare and, and Medicaid. I mean, all these places are are going bankrupt, you know. Mm. And and now the government's going to put themselves in charge of one sixth of the United States gross national product. You got to be kidding me. That's a remedy. <laughs> that's a remedy for uh, failure. It's a doomsday remedy. You know, you're talking about the the estimates dollar-wise. It's even worse here because our administration, you know, led by a president who actually says this, that it's going to be deficit neutral. Well, right. <laughs> there's nothing. Uh, there, there's no such thing that exists in government that's, def, that's de- deficit neutral. I mean, please, don't even try to... To sell me on that idea, but the the the, the point that you know I'm really trying to make here uh, with this is not just the negative side, but also the positive side. Positive side of this is it gives people like you and I an opportunity to stand up and do what is right. You know, mm-hmm. doing what is right is more than just what would you do uh, with a group of people around you. It's what would you do behind closed doors when you're the only one. Are you prepared to do what is right? And this is one of those examples. If your company is committing fraud against your government and actually you as a taxpayer, what are you going to do? Right now would be a real test because many people are in fear of their jobs because the economy is so terrible. What would you do if you found out that your company was stealing from the federal government and thus your fellow taxpayers? Would you be willing to step up and do what's right and turn them into, you know, the FBI or, you know, whoever the local authorities uh, might be? Or would you be like one of those, uh, you know, those monkeys, uh, the see no evil, hear no evil, do no evil. You know, it's like, I, I see nothing, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, and actually winds up being, I am nothing. Uh, because we we really need to, to step up. And as Noah hides, that is one of our commandments. I mean, we're to set up courts of justice which is really the only positive commandment that there is. And we must do this for the purpose of seeking justice. Well, this is another case of justice being served, but it can only be served by people who are willing to take the risk, as it were, or do what is right, even if it hurts. Mm. And we we must step forward and do justice because in, in the end, it is for the overall good of all the fellow taxpayers that you have in your country, regardless of what country you're in. Well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, with, with any of the laws, I mean, if all you're going to do is uh, is be, let me say, uh, legalistic and simply say, well, my only obligation is to not commit theft. What we're actually talking about here is if you know that theft is going on, what are you willing to do about it? Because if all you do is that you yourself don't commit theft, then you could say, well, I'm keeping the requirement of what the mitzvah is entails. But 
there's an extension to the idea that if I know that something is going wrong and I, and I don't do anything about it, am I not an accomplice of sorts to the wrong? In essence, you would be. Uh, yeah. Uh, a con- you'd be part of the conspiracy. Yeah. And so the minute that that happens, see, it's, you can't even you can't even say that. Well, uh, I'm not actually doing the stealing myself. Well, if you wanted to use that argument, couldn't you use that argument for hiring a hitman? I hire a hitman to kill somebody, but I didn't kill anybody. Right. Right. So you're right. just trying to remove yourself, but we're really not removed. The what we're compelled to is we're not just we're just not supposed to, you know, not commit theft. We're not even, if we know about it, we're supposed to do something about it. That's well, it's, it's like the innocent victim who's been convicted of theft, and he believes he's innocent by virtue of the fact that, well, I didn't rob the bank. I mean, I just drove the car. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, okay, you know, how ridiculous is that? Well, it's it's ridiculous beyond compare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet we live in a society where, you know, I, you know, I guess most people would say that uh, if you talk to most uh, uh, people convicted that are sitting in jail, the majority of them are going to say that they are innocent. And that would be a, a glowing example of how they're able to do that. I didn't commit theft. I just drove the car. Yes. But, you know, these are the kinds of things, too, that, uh, again, they're not happening to us directly. We're not being affected by them directly. And I'll guarantee you that if somebody were to walk into your home and threaten your life, threaten your family, steal things from you so that you are affected directly, you would want to do something about it. And 99.9% of the time would do something about it. And the first thing being calling 911 or, you know, called the authorities. But Mm -hmm. we must take the same attitude even when it doesn't affect us directly. Because you're exactly right. Knowing that these things are going on and doing nothing is as good as committing the act yourself. And it may sound harsh, but certainly that would be the way Hashem would view it as well. Yeah. Now, it's not like if your life was in danger, that you're still required to endanger your life in order to sort of expose the culprits. Okay. So it's not that we're, uh, we're compelled to put ourselves at risk in those cases, but most of the time being able to expose these things just requires more about being willing to be put out there and possibly become uh, the target of a, of a, a publicity campaign of sorts and maybe looking bad in light of, in, in the eyes of your coworkers, but you're not really risking your life. But there are cases where you might actually be risking your life, in which case I think that there would be a, kind of a, a limitation. Would I be correct in that or do you think I'm wrong? Um, you know, it's uh, debatable and okay. we could probably do a whole nother show just on that. <laughs> But uh, uh, actually, we're kind of running out of time here for okay. this segment. It just flew by. I, I can't believe it went so fast. But uh, please, folks, stick with us. Uh, uh, we're going to be back on the other side, and uh, we're going to try and bring this home for you and kind of get back into uh, you know the story of Noah and why Hashem destroyed all of flesh on the world. But use today's terms and today's thievery that's going on to, to bring this to uh, hopeful closure. So please stick around.
When IDF soldiers are out in the field, they can really use a good pizza or some freshly baked goods. You can't beat our donuts. They're real donuts. Show them that you care. Send a tasty gift to an IDF soldier. Visit our website at Herbie'sBakeShop.com. That's Herbie with a Y. Just fill out the order online. They'll love you for it. Or you can make the Israel National Radio staff's day by sending them coffee or a pizza break. Just fill out the order online. Herbie'sBakeShop.com. Herbie'sBakeShop.com. Joshua had one at Jericho. Gideon had one. Now you can too. You can buy your very own authentic Israeli-made ceremonial ram's horn or shofar anywhere in the world by visiting www.thegreatshofar.com. For free shipping, enter the code INR on the website checkout page. That's INR for Israel National Radio. Get your very own shofar at www.thegreatshofar.com. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of this show on theft. Before we get back into this, I just wanted to remind everybody that uh, Prescott and I really do appreciate your emails that you're sending in. And for all the new folks out there, the email address, should you like to comment or ask some questions, is noahide at israelnationalradio.com. And uh, during the break, Prescott and I were you know, kind of talking about this, this ongoing theme we're having here today on, on theft. And uh, Prescott, you brought forth some very interesting uh, statistical information that I was uh, unaware of. Why don't you share that uh, with, with the, the listeners? Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching a documentary uh, here in Canada uh, put out by the uh, CBC. Uh, maybe that alone should make it suspect. But uh, <laughs> but it's we yeah, won't go the, there. It's the national broadcaster here. Um, anyway, the um, but uh, they were doing a um, a special on uh, on shoplifting, uh, and they were talking about um, you know the kind of losses that are experienced by businesses in North America uh, through what they call shrink, and the amount of money that they believe uh, gets lost to this shrink factor is about forty billion dollars a year. They say that it comes from two main sources. Uh, one is from employees stealing from uh, the companies they work for, and the other is through shoplifting. And they, in the in the research that they were doing, they came up with some figures. And one of them was that they believe that we pay about $400 a year more for the products and services that we, we buy from companies because of this shrink that companies have to charge more for items simply to recoup the losses that they experience from employees stealing from them and from shoplifting. They've also indicated some interesting uh, things that uh, uh, I, I was quite surprised about, and that was that managers of stores and such can be responsible for up to 50% of store theft that takes place. 75% of employees steal from their employers in some tangible way. And I'm sure that a lot of people can offer their justification for, well, it was just a paper clip. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but uh, still, it's, um, you know, when it comes to the laws of, uh, of theft, they're, they're pretty precise and they're pretty unforgiving in that sense that it doesn't matter whether it's a paper clip. 
If you're willing to steal a paperclip, the question is, what else are you willing to do? Anyway, uh, 25% of those losses, and they actually uh, took a look at uh, some of the uh, underground activity that goes on, uh, of these uh, these people that they've actually got organized shoplifters. They go in and they target certain products, bring them out, and then they turn around and they resell them at flea markets and uh, in bargain shops and stuff like that. And uh, so they say that 25% of the losses are connected to organized crime, to gangs, and to the mafia. And they use these booster bags that are designed to conceal what they've stolen uh, from the stores. And uh, so their warning was, and a lot of people are, uh, you know, they go to these uh, bargain outlets and they go to uh, flea markets and such, and they find really good deals. And their their advice is that if something sounds like it's too good to be true in terms of a price, chances are it was obtained illegally. And uh, so it, it really implicates so many people when people, uh, you know, participate in these other forms of purchasing um, that uh, you really need to, I guess, ask yourself the question, am I helping to support organized crime? That's a, an interesting question, too. In fact, uh, you mentioning the idea of an employee stealing, you know, something as simple as a, as a paperclip. Uh, or a pen or a pencil or, you know, whatever it might be. The same occurs through shoplifting as well. Mm. You know, let's let's call it, you know, a, a dollar every time. Yep. yep. And we get back to the whole reason why Hashem uh, decided to destroy all flesh upon the earth. And, and part of that reason and a big part of it was because so many people were stealing from other people in very, very small ways and in ways that could not be, uh, there's nothing that could be done about it from a legal standpoint. Mm. The, the, the victims had no recourse as far as being able to, you know, sue somebody, uh, for, for stealing a dollar. Right. You know, it just, you weren't able to do that. And so I kind of see that, uh, still going on here to, you know, this very day. Yeah. It's a scary thought because this now, brings to mind uh, you know another serious question and I'll just go ahead and and ask it of everybody out there would you say that based on theft today would Hashem be justified to once again destroy all flesh I don't hear anybody yes uh, that's probably because it's it's an interesting question because now we're forced to think what would Hashem do with what we see going on in the world today that possibly we are doing nothing to prevent and may possibly, even if inadvertently, be participating in? Yeah. So now it becomes a very bold question where now it becomes life or death. <laughs> uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stretch this one a little. Is it possible that the reason why we're now seeing the reemergence of the Noahide as a recognizable group is that because the condition of the world in general has gotten to the point that uh, Hashem is raising up Noahs in this generation? Well, and you know what? I can't uh, argue with that at all, uh, simply because there are so many people out there that have begun searching and that have actually found the Noahide movement, have found the, the seven Noahide laws. Uh, but, so you could be on to something with that. 
Well, well, could that be because, I mean, it's one thing when we're in search for spiritual truth, because, you know, we're always tuned into that desire and that need to know that what we believe is true. And it, 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 it has to be true. You know, there had to be people at that time asking, is this the way we were really meant to live? And apparently they really weren't asking the question because only Noah lived righteous, a righteous life. And I guess I'm wondering is one of the questions that brought people to, to the Shiva Mitzvot, was it because we couldn't reconcile some of the theft that was going on around us where we were that in, in many religious organizations and in particular religion where you would see the moral downfall of so many of its leaders and how they would be involved in all, you know, in crime and, and uh, end up in court and so on and so forth. And that we said like this, this can't be right. And we began to believe that, that the law, that the, the following of laws actually really meant something when often what we were being told was that at least from a Christian standpoint that I came out of was that the laws no more and that there's this right. thing called grace and mercy and so on. Right. And it's like, I'm here saying like, what is going on here? If this is what mercy and grace produces, there's something wrong. Well, and you know, just to expand on that without, offending anybody because that's not what we're here to do but uh, Christianity just by virtue of what it represents and, and by that I mean uh, this uh, Christ individual uh, supposedly died on a cross for the sins of all of mankind for the sins that you've committed and are going to commit so where then lies the responsibility of the individual right if somebody else is now taking that taking that responsibility off of your shoulders what motivation do we have to be a good person mm, yeah In- interesting you know question that uh, uh, people should start asking and, and, and answering and you know I'm kind of thinking uh, too along these same lines are there any signs that we can see in the world today that are what we might perceive as signs of destruction or potential destruction uh, going on around us and I would have to say yes there there are many signs there are many naysayers when uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina hit the U.S. Uh, many of the naysayers, you know, they didn't believe that it could be anything related to God. Well, and how could it? Because most of them don't believe that God exists. But uh, for those of us who do uh, believe or have a belief in a supreme being that does uh, let people know when they're going off the path, we do believe that Katrina was a sign from Hashem that I'm as close as your next storm. You, you mean it wasn't global warming that uh, produced Katrina? Well, <laughs> that's another <laughs> whole form of theft that uh, maybe we'll have time to get into. I just don't know. But, you know, getting back to the signs, let's talk about what's going on right now today. Let's talk about here in the United States, record levels of unemployment and still rising. Mm. You know, right now we're at ten percent unemployed plus, and these are just people who have filed for unemployment. This doesn't count the people who have given up looking for work, uh, people who have taken part-time jobs. You know, you start calculating all of that. They say there's you know seventeen to twenty million people that are unemployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what about record levels of homes being foreclosed on? It's only getting worse. Uh, you know, record levels of bankruptcies and uh, record level of government debt. Just tremendous levels of, of socially accepted 
immorality is something else that needs to be looked at. It has multiplied beyond compare, the mm. the socially accepted immorality that goes on in not just this country, but in most countries out there, if not all. Yeah. I, I had a great thought that I was about to say. <laughs> it, it just it went. Somebody steal it from you? It went. <laughs> Oh. Well, you were mentioning earlier, Prescott, about our uh, leaders and and uh, uh, people that are called or you know, believe that they are called and then fall, that uh, don't meet up with the expectations that they preach to, to everybody else. And there is, believe it or not, a passage in Jeremiah that actually addresses that issue. Because sometimes you know we sit back and wonder, what? How do these people get away with this? Yeah. Why are? Why is this happening? I mean, I'm doing everything right, and they're the ones benefiting from it, mm. and it just doesn't make sense. Well, maybe people that are asking those questions can take a little comfort if they were to just read Jeremiah 25, uh, 34 through 38. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and read that because it is a, a mind blower. Mm. It starts off with, Wail, O shepherds, and shout, Wallow in the dirt, O leaders of the flock, for your days before slaughter are completed, and your dispersions, and you will fall and shatter like a precious vessel. Flight will be foreclosed from the shepherds, and escape from the leaders of the flock. The sound of the shepherds' outcry and the wailing of the leaders of the flock, for Hashem is plundering their pasture. The peaceful cottages shall be destroyed before the burning wrath of Hashem. Like a young lion, God has forsaken his tabernacle, for their land has become a desolation because of the oppressor's anger, because of his burning wrath. So, there is an end to these people that call themselves leaders while violating Torah every which way but loose. Mm. Uh, unless we were to believe that Jeremiah was uh, not a very good prophet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he made it in the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, big time, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So we must you know, continue to mm. look at theft, and in particular, what can we do as, as a people uh, or even as just an individual. And, and that's a question that we are faced with every day because the opportunity to do something is always at hand. I shouldn't say always, but I would say at least once a day, the opportunity to do what's right is at hand. It's uh, amazing, too. I'm thinking of Israel. I don't know why I'm thinking of Israel right now, uh, given the fact we're talking about theft, other than what has been happening to Israel over the years. Uh, how the nations have, have attempted to exterminate them and literally steal their life, steal everything about them. Uh, Israel, you know, by all rights, should be gone. And if it weren't for the, the mercy of, of Hashem, they would be gone. And, you know, I think about those things. I think about Iran. You know, what about Iran? I mean, this, this guy, this country, believes that Israel should be wiped off the face of the map. Mm. Well, let's talk about the theft that will have occurred should he have the opportunity to succeed with that 
God forbid. I mean, the, the theft that will have occurred, not just for the Jewish people, not just for Israel, but for the whole of mankind, would be catastrophic. And there's no way that we could uh, prevent uh, the repercussions of Hashem's wrath if something like that were to happen. Because we have it within our power. Our governments, our leaders have it within our power to shut down Iran tomorrow. It, well, and this, I think that this is why, as you say, we need we need to take action about this. But the reason why so many people don't, I believe, is that they think that, well... God is all-powerful, so he can look after this. All he has to do is, like, wiggle his finger, and this whole problem will go away. But God has put it in our hands. He's placed the responsibility on our shoulders to do the right thing. And so many people today aren't interested in putting themselves out there uh, to do the right thing because, well, they're busy with home, they're busy with their families, and not that home and family isn't important. But nobody can argue looking at... The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, in in terms of their industry, in terms of the impact that they have on society, and yet they're very committed to their homes and committed to their families. We are not with we are without excuse if we are complacent, if we remain complacent on these issues. It, we need to stand up and we need to take action uh, because you know, again, the Shavamitz vote is not about you know what we don't do because we'd be breaking the law if we did it. It is about the positive action of of creating uh, a world where we're not just not stealing, but that we're actually doing our part to clean up the theft in the world today. Yes. Even if it's just our little corner of the world, mm. if we have the opportunity, we have to do something about it. And then, you know, another thing about Israel uh, and the nations, if we choose not to do anything to stop these countries who want to destroy Israel and the Jewish people, uh, we are as good as being guilty and having committed the act themselves. But I don't believe that these countries are going to have the opportunity to do this. And, and here's why. Because it is a violation of Torah if you know that somebody is coming to kill you. Yeah. It is a mitzvot to go out and kill them first. Why? Because Torah teaches the preservation of life, your life. And it's a violation to commit murder. And it would also then be a violation to commit suicide if you knew that somebody was coming to kill you and you let them just come and kill you. So in every way possible, Israel has every right to strike a country like Iran first before they have the opportunity to commit theft in a very big way, to commit murder in a very big way. Israel has the means, number one, has the courage, number two, and quite frankly, based upon Torah, uh, they, they have every right to do this. Now, many would say, well, this government in Israel, they're not you know, Torah-based or anything like that. Granted, but it doesn't change the laws of Hashem. The, the fact that they may not be Torah-observant or be running the country based on Torah does not change Hashem. And Hashem is going to preserve Israel by whatever way he feels necessary. And if that means striking a country like Iran first, then so be it. That's what it means. And we better be prepared 
to make a decision, uh, hopefully in favor of standing at the side uh, of Israel. Yeah. Because this will be an enticement for the U.S. from Hashem, I believe. If Israel were to turn around and strike Iran first against this administration's wishes, the U.S., if we don't consider they've done it already, is going to abandon Israel completely. Mm. Now, some would say, oh, we've already done that. Well, if we have but haven't gone all the way, if, if Israel strikes Iran first, I'll guarantee it, the U.S. will abandon Israel in a heartbeat. And then we will see all the nations of the world, quite literally, against Israel. Yeah, You know, that is not going to be a, a good thing or a good time to experience, uh, given the fact some of the signs that Hashem is has already given us and is currently giving us that we're having to, to live with right now. Well, if if we had, uh, and I know we're uh, closing in on the end of the show here, but if there is a way, and I'm assuming that there is, but if there is a way for for people to stand up, to take action, to be to become active in persuading their, I guess, if you're living in the U.S. or in Canada, persuading your leaders uh, locally and federally to support Israel and so on, and to and to not uh, be world cowards. If I believe that that's possible, then I then I believe that the only way that it is possible is if people become involved, if people actually step out of their comfort zone and actually take some initiative in this. I just want to call out to Noahides, to Jews, to Christians, to people who know what is right, to get involved and do what is right, and to... You know, I know down in uh, the U.S. there's uh, tea parties going on, which I think are very cool. If that's a way of plugging in to to make change, so be it. If getting on the internet and writing emails is a way, so be it. Get involved because that's the only way that you're going to change it. That's exactly right. And I would even go a little further and say that every time you stand up and do what is right, you bring honor and the sanctification and glory to Hashem in the name of Hashem and His Torah. Right. And you're exactly right, uh, uh, Prescott. We uh, are bumping up against the the top of the hour. And, boy, we could probably do several more shows on this. But we hope that you, the listeners out there, have been able to gain a great deal of insight and, and wisdom as to what theft is, the depths of devastation that it occurs in people's lives as a result of it, uh, and not just individuals, but uh, many people, nations in some cases. And we hope that you've gained a lot from, from these three shows that we've done on theft. And I just want to you know, leave you with a couple of parting thoughts. And that's, you know, always remember, if no one commits theft of any kind, we will never be stolen from. And uh, again, one of my favorite sayings, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Right. Well, we are good people and it's time to do something. And I encourage you to do that. Prescott and I both encourage you to do that. We also thank you greatly for being with us today to to do this show. And we hope that you'll be with us uh, next week. We've got a very exciting show for you next week. And in the meantime, always look to the heavens for your help from Hashem. Because, my friends, I guarantee 
He's always looking out for you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom. Hey, what's that new stuff you're using to uh, brush your teeth with? Tohar oil. Tohar oil? Where's that from? Israel. Israel? Israel. You want a natural herbal total tooth and mouth cleansing experience? Now from Israel, Shemana Tohar. Get a bottle of etheric oil formula and a container of mineral enriched powder which absorbs germs and bacteria. Get the Tohar oil treatment kit. Visit www.sheman-hatohar.com. Sheman-hatohar.com. <laughs> Israel is known for its breakthroughs in medical research, including the field of herbal supplements. Priso Opuntimal is dedicated to the wellness of men and women, particularly in the areas of prostate and urinary tract health. We make it affordable for you to get the very best natural health supplements available. Don't just suffer. Get Priso brand Opuntimal. Order it online at priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. <laughs> 